Welcome to Cosmic Conversations, where we interpret the stars so you don't have to. I'm Emily. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Rebecca. And we're your astrologer hosts. Astrology is all around us all the time. So if you're an astrology student at any level or just astrology curious, this podcast is our invitation to come eavesdrop on our monthly cosmic conversations about how astrology is showing up in our daily lives as real-time examples of what astrologers mean when we say, as above, so below. All right. I so we are so not tech people. And that's where we should start this conversation is just to say, sorry for the slightly rough start. Um, Rebecca, it's actually you know, perfect because yeah. Pluto's going into Aquarius, right? Right. Destruction <laughs> in technology. It's totally perfect. So we are not tech people and it's just the two of us this time for Cosmic Conversations. Welcome to Cosmic Conversations. But uh, we are down one astrologer this week because Emily Clintworth, who we love dearly, is off teaching another class. So it's just me and Cheryl this week. But um, with tech issues aside, we are now in. We're live. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, Cheryl, do we have anyone joining us live um, in Facebook right now? Let me check. All right. We will check to see if we've got anyone out in cyberspace. But while Cheryl is checking to see if we've got anyone joining us in real time, hello to everyone who is not in real time, who is joining us from um, other dimensions. Um, uh, And we are going to be talking all things Pluto this month. So uh, buckle up because Pluto gets kind of intense. (laughs) Pluto, the small little guy is yeah very very intense and and i think very misunderstood people don't understand its power super super misunderstood and that that was cheryl that was part of why i think you and i wanted to talk about pluto with our our wet hair oh yeah Yeah, it's almost dry now we were six minutes late so we're both both coming in being you too you also you with the wet hair um so i mean it's saturday morning what are we what are we going to do so Uh, So we, why did we want to talk about Pluto? We wanted to talk about Pluto because you and I, Cheryl, are both completely obsessed with Pluto, like completely, like irrevocably, like undeniably obsessed with Pluto. And um, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about why we wanted to talk about this. Um, I think that's really the right place to start because Pluto, as you were just saying, is one of the most kind of misunderstood and unfairly maligned planets in all of astrology. And what do we mean when we say that? Well, kind of like Saturn, kind of like Mercury retrograde, Pluto is out there as like a scary bad planet, right? Some people refer to it as one of the malefics, which is an ancient term from ancient astrology, meaning like bad doer, right? Um, And so Pluto gets associated with destruction and like crisis and, and like external events happening to you that are like terrible things and death and like all those things are what it gets associated with. Um, But I, even though all of those things can be true, I think part of what you and I wanted to do, Cheryl, was to sort of write a love letter with this podcast, Pluto, because there's a whole other half of the equation that gets missed, um, which is it's sort of like the death card in astro- in tarot, right? So for anyone who does tarot, people hate the death card. They're like, oh my God, death. The death card is one of my favorite cards. It's my favorite card. too. I actually have it hanging on my wall. Because it, poster it, of it. Because again, going back to like two sides of the coin, death 
right, is also rebirth. rebirth. It's the and, and you have to have endings so you can have new beginnings. It's the ending of cycles so that new things can come through, right? All of this is associated with Pluto. And yet somehow we only ever have the like dark, scary, shadowy part of it get talked about and not not the, like the why that is actually a, a transformative force that can actually be really amazing for transformational healing. So that's a little bit of the preamble for some of why we wanted to talk about Pluto. But um, Cheryl, where do you where do you want to start in terms of like why you're obsessed with Pluto? What got you first obsessed with Pluto? Because you and I have both been obsessed with Pluto. Book. We've known each other. Jeffrey Wolf Green, wasn't it? Jeffrey Wolf yeah. Green's books. Yeah. It got me right back into right back into astrology. I mean, I've been through the ringer in my life. A lot of transformation, a lot of transmutation, a lot of eighth house shit, a lot of Pluto shit. And only recently, when I started studying and reading about it and learning about it, did I understand that this was my biggest growth points were because of my Pluto transits, was because of what was going on there. That's the whole point of why I'm here and and transforming and transmuting, right? Rebirth. And I've become a totally new person. And now it's like, the more I learn about Pluto, the more obsessed I become, like the more exciting it is. Oh and the thing is, astrologers don't know what it means through all the signs because we haven't lived long enough to see that, right? Like the age of Aquarius, it's 248 years. Yeah, before, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's, and that's a, that's probably a good place to start too, which is just like, as we lay a little bit of the foundation for this conversation, Pluto is, um, it's also kind of really misunderstood in astronomy, right? It's not just astrology where it gets misunderstood. Pluto, Pl- Pluto years ago got downgraded from being a planet to being like dwarf. a dwarf planet, right? Yeah, so yeah. People call Meanwhile. it a, right in astronomy, and yet, it, and and that was because of its size, right? But yet, it has outsized importance in modern astrology. And and Cheryl, you and I both are um, we're evolutionary astrologers. There's a lot of different kinds of astrology out there. Um, I, I learned this early on in my, um, my self-study of astrology before even finding you and Emily Clintworth and other people who I've, I've learned with over the years. Um, there's a lot of different schools of astrology, just like there are a lot of different schools of psychology and, and, um, uh, and, you know, any discipline that you want to dig into, but evolutionary astrology, just to say what it is, is, um, it, it basically starts from the premise that, um, uh, well, first of all, you've got to you've got to buy into reincarnation. So if that's not your bag, then evolutionary astrology is probably not for you. Um, Cheryl and I both sort of find it harder to believe that reincarnation doesn't exist than to believe that it does. But you know, we could have a whole other episode on that. But evolutionary astrology starts from the premise that um, you um, that your soul has an evolutionary intent for incarnating in this life. Um, and that knowing what that evolutionary intent is can actually be very powerful for working uh, consciously towards that that soul growth that your soul is, is seeking in this lifetime, as opposed to kind of walking around feeling like life is happening to you, right? It's like the difference between being a cause and being an effect in your own life. Um, and so Pluto is the most important planet in evolutionary astrology, which is probably why you and I were both drawn to outer planets. It's about the outer planets, right? It's yes, it's collective consciousness, but when it transits personally in your chart, it is so profound and impactful. And if you get it and you understand it and you see it coming, like you just said, you're in your Pluto square. Yeah. What does that mean? But you're like, I'm in it. I'm in it. Got it. Nailed it. Woo! Pluto square. (laughs) 
so evolutionary astrologers, we love, we love Pluto. And um, rather than being scared of Pluto, rather than fearing Pluto and being like, oh my God, I have a Pluto transit. We get really jazzed up as you're hearing Cheryl, right? Like jump from the rafters being like, yeah, Pluto transits. Um, and so uh, in evolutionary astrology, you work with Pluto. You also work with the nodes of the moon, which we're probably not going to talk about in this episode, but we should totally come back and do another one about that because hundred percent, that's so important. That's because everything on the nodes of the moon. So, but so, so back to like, you know, why we're, why we're going to talk about Pluto and some of how we're going to talk about Pluto. Cheryl was just mentioning Pluto transits, there's a few ways to work with any given planet in astrology. You can, you can work with it and its placement in your birth chart. Um, so where it was in the Zodiac at the time that you were born and there, you can, you can get a lot of information from that. And so in evolutionary astrology, both Cheryl and I will work with it that way. Jeffrey Wolf Green was one of the originators of, of evolutionary astrology. Another person I am very into in that regard is Stephen Forrest. I love his oh. book. Pluto. I'm showing it on the screen for our audio. I have all of his books except for that one, which now I have to get. What? I mean, mean, it's only the best one. I mean, his other ones are good too, but anyway. um, uh, So how do we work with Pluto? So you can work with it in the birth chart and you can get a lot out of what house of the 12 houses in your birth chart, Pluto is placed in. Um, you can get a lot out of what sign it's placed in too. That's a generational signature because Pluto is so slow moving that it it only changes signs every like 20 years and change. Um, uh, so right now, for example, Pluto is, is in late Capricorn. It's about to move into Aquarius. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well and what that's likely to bring for the collective. But you can work with Pluto in your birth chart and we'll, we'll get to that. We'll do a little bit of talking about that in this episode. Like what does Pluto mean through the houses in terms of where it is in your birth chart. But as Cheryl was mentioning, um, you can also work with Pluto transits, meaning Pluto transiting in the sky, moving through your birth chart. Every time it moves um, through a house, you're going to feel it, right? As it's moving through that house, it's going to activate things. And so the way I like to think about transits is that every transit is an activation of like dormant codes that are in you. Um, and so it's Love sort of that. like a light switch is being flipped on. And so it's like all of a sudden you have like the potential for higher consciousness in some part of your life. Um But Pluto transits in particular, and this is true of all outer planet transits. So it's true of Uranus, it's true of Neptune too. And we love those planets too, all due to Uranus and Neptune as well. But since we're talking about Pluto, Pluto transits are some of the most powerful Powerful. portals of transformation that exist. And that is why we get so freaking obsessed with them because I was just saying this to Cheryl before we started talking on the air. Um, The way I think about them is like they're stargates. Um, and Cheryl, do you remember that 1994 movie? Oh, I'm watching it now that you brought it up again. With Kurt Russell and like oh some really my- great hair, really yes. great 80s hair. Fantastic. What a babe. What a babe. Oh, he was a total babe in that movie. So I had never seen this movie. I had never seen this movie in my life until this past week. Um, and it like came through uh, a friend of mine and like it, it got brought up and like I, I cause I was talking about stargates and how I view um, transformational transits like Pluto transits as stargates. And she was like, oh yeah, like that 1994 movie. And I was like, what? And so I went back and watched it this week. And first of all, go watch the movie. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. It totally holds up for people who like nineties movies and Kurt Russell and hair. Um, but also- <laughs> Like, what do I mean by a stargate? Well, it's like when when Pluto is 
um, is activating something in your chart. And that can, so I'll, I'll name myself right now. Pluto is squaring my natal Pluto. So that means transiting Pluto in the sky is making a 90 degree angle exactly with my natal Pluto, where Pluto is in my birth chart. I've got Pluto in Libra at the 29 degree, 29th degree. And Pluto right now is like 28 degrees of Capricorn. So it's like an exact square. And that's it. That's an activation, right? That's a huge activation. But the way that I understand that as an astrologer is it's like a huge, massive honking portal has opened up. A stargate has opened up. And in the movie, it's like, you see all the light like rushing in and, and it's like, there's like this thing you can walk through. And that's uh, the way I look at it is it's like a portal of transformation. Um, And it can show up if you don't want to work with it, if you run from it as like, why is my life falling apart? Or if you're like, whoa, this is a chance for me to embrace transformation, then that's where it becomes the portal you walk through. So Cheryl, you saw that movie years ago. Oh, yes. I love, I love, I love, I love that movie. And I love that example as well. And if we think about uh, on the collective, the real 2020 was the real punctuation mark, let's say, because that was the Uranus Pluto square. And that's where it began to widen. And that's when we first, the first diagnosis of COVID came through. Mm. So right when that Saturn Pluto conjunction happened on a collective level, that's when the COVID thing happened. So it's like, you can look back at these powerful transits and you can see on a collective level, if you don't know where Pluto is in your chart, how powerful and impactful Pluto is when it makes an actual transit. Yeah. It's it, and it's history. huge in our individual lives, huge for the collective. We'll talk a little bit about the collective implications too. And part of, part of what also makes me obsessed with Pluto is in my, um, in my day job, I do public policy work. Um, and, um, I, uh, my, my whole, my whole shtick is economic policy and in particular trying to end poverty in the United States. I'm a former legal aid lawyer. Folks maybe have heard me talk about this in past episodes, but that's my, that's my sort of my other shtick when I'm not being an astrologer. Um, but I, I stumbled upon this really cool astrologer named Richard Tarnas a couple of years ago. Um, and he is psyche cosmos and psyche is his great, great work. And he's a, he's a philosopher. He's, he's an historian. Um, and, and what he did is he did this amazing work tracking, um, and like looking back like many, many hundreds of years, um, to look at the transits of Pluto and Uranus. Um, And he found that they correlated with social liberation and social change movements, right? Which is like next level when you're thinking about collective consciousness and collective evolution. So that was the other thing that got me super obsessed with Pluto because it's social change and social justice that I work for and social liberation in my, in my, um, my day job. And so knowing what time it is on the clock of the world feels very important for that kind of work and thinking about where Pluto and Uranus are with, um, in reference to each other is actually very helpful for, um, for advocates of, of change. So, well, we can come, we can come back to that as well, but, um, uh, but, but yeah, Pluto transformation, big transformation energy. Um, so Cheryl, you, you and I were, um, uh, we've talked about a lot already just in terms of kind of situating this episode and some of why we're like super massive fangirls of Pluto. But I feel like a thing that probably would be helpful to say to kind of make this a little more real and make this a little more tangible for people is there's a famous quote. Um, it is a Carl Jung quote. Um, and I am a, a you know huge disciple of, of Carl Jung, aren't we all, if we if we do this work, um, uh, one of the forefathers of um 
of modern depth psychology. I think probably everyone is familiar with him. He was a disciple of Freud's. He kind of went his own way. Well, I'll just say as a side note, Jung was also an astrologer. That's not something that a lot of people know. And he actually did birth charts for all of his clients. He studied magic. Um, he studied alchemy. He was he believed that we should bring the spiritual into psychology and that that was what was missing. That was actually part of why he had a falling out with Freud. Just as a side note, a little bit of trivia, because Freud was like, no, this must be a medical science. We can't have any spirituality and things we can't see in this. And Jung was like, yeah, but but have you read my red book? So anyway, um, but I'm smarter than you. <laughs> and in my opinion, he was. Freud had Freud had some of his own work to do. Um, so the the famous Jung quote that I um, that I have like as a sticky on my desktop in my computer that I have like on the wall over my altar that I use with clients um, pretty often is um, until we make the unconscious conscious. It will rule our lives and we will call it fate. <laughs> oh, I love that. Right, right. I like get chills every time I say this out loud because oh, there's wow. so much packed into that um, that truth. And I feel like there's no better way to, yeah, getting, getting the full body chills. Yeah, me too, me too. There's no better way, in my opinion, to ground a conversation about Pluto than with those words, because what Pluto is all about is making the unconscious conscious. Yes. The shit that we, sorry, I just cursed. Sorry, Spotify. No, it's true. It's true. And I was looking at my notes to see what was going on in the 60s, because there was a Pluto something that happened there that started the whole 60s. Yeah, yeah. Love. It, there, there was a Pluto thing, wasn't it? It was one of the Pluto-Uranus transits. Yes, so I can't you. remember if it was a square or if it was a trine or if it was a sextile or what it was, but Pluto yes. and Venus were aligned in a way that kicked off like the, um, well, basically oh. that what, you know, it is the dawning of the age of, I mean, right. Like that was, that was like when people started talking about the Aquarius, people started talking about the sexual like revolution. Yes. It was like hippies. It was like, as my parents, right. It was all that kind of stuff. But, um, but like making the unconscious conscious, right? Like there's so much there um, that is really, I think, what probably the jumping off point for the rest of this conversation. I mentioned that Jung was also a student of alchemy. That's what ancient alchemy was all about. I actually even call my astrology practice alchemy by Astraea because I, I view it as a practice of alchemy. What was ancient alchemy? It was about making the unconscious conscious. They had to shroud it in all kinds of like metaphor because it would it, it was the um, it was stuff that would have gotten people, you know, burned at the stake back at the back in the day, right? So they had to like hide what they were doing. But um, it's it's about taking the stuff that has been repressed that's out of your conscious awareness. Some people call this the shadow um, and bringing it into the light, right? Casting light on it, bringing it face into to face, the, and yep. then it goes away. Well, and you get to work with it because yes. again, like the stuff that's repressed is the stuff that runs our lives. And we, and it's like, you, if you've got like patterns, you can't break. If you've got like habits or loops that you're stuck in, whether it's like bad relationships or like the same fight you have over and over with like every different coworker, or like it can show up in a lot of ways. There's, yeah. there's something there, right. That you're not meaning to bring into your life. You're not consciously intending it. Well, that's, that means you've got like something down there in your Pluto storage unit that it's, it's the uh, groundhog day pluto lessons yes and it's, day. 
And it's freaking Groundhog Day, right? So like, what a perfect conversation to be having. We're like two days late for Groundhog Day, but it's perfect, right? It's like when you go around and around and around and it's like you keep having the same thing that's happen a lesson, over and friends. Over. If you're listening, that's yeah. a lesson. You're like, wait a second, this is deja vu. I've been in this fight before. I've been in this power struggle before. I didn't learn. But now if you see yourself going through a, yeah. a repeat or a Groundhog Day, take note. And it brings us back to Pluto. So right. the way the way I like to um, think about the shadow, and I feel like, again, with why does Pluto get a bad rap? Well, sometimes like the unconscious gets a bad rap and shadow work gets a bad rap. Everybody's like, oh, that's so scary. Oh, a trip to the underworld, right? Pluto gets called the Lord of the underworld or uh, Pluto is associated with Hades in, in Greek mythology, which literally was the Lord of the, the, of the underworld. But the thing is, that the stuff that lives in shadow, the stuff that lives in the underworld, the stuff that lives out of your conscious awareness, yeah, it's going to include a lot of stuff that's painful. It's going to include trauma. It's going to include, you know, the hard stuff that your psyche quite literally wasn't um, up to the task of being able to integrate. And that's why it got repressed as a survival mechanism. That's really why repression happens. But there's also really good shit down there too. There's buried riches. And that's the part that doesn't get talked about. So back to why this is a low Love letter to Pluto. Um, part of what you end up finding when you go on that kind of excavation journey um, is that there is just as much buried treasure. There's just as much higher unconscious. I'm putting in scare quotes as there is um, of the trauma that that needs to come to the surface to be dealt with um, and integrated, so that you can learn the lessons and move on rather than being run by the the repressed stuff that's kind of you know stuck down there in your in your storage unit. So there's there's you know there's both there's both. Yes. Um, so Cheryl, what um what what do you want to say about how Pluto has shown up in your life? I feel like we've done some like laying of the foundation here. We've done a little bit of like why we're obsessed with Pluto and, and there's plenty more we can, we can say about that. But like, I do want to keep grounding this in like how this actually shows up in our lives. And that's part of what we always try to do for cosmic conversations. So how, like, how has Pluto shown up in your life as you've gone through Pluto transits? I don't want to, I'm not going to bring this, uh, this, this scariness as the first example. So I'm going to go into this year where it's been, well, not just this year, but it's been in my 10th house mm-hmm. and it's career reputation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where it's, and it's been nothing short of new jobs, um, firing people, it, just HR issues. It's been a full blown wow blow up in my face over the last five years yeah it's been insane and it's literally the more I'm seeing I I just can't wait for it to get the hell out of the 10th house but it's in there it's right in the middle like it's not leaving there anytime soon like I want it to go and transform my my community or my social circle I'm I'm willing for that but this which would be 11th house transit this career transit no more so I okay. So I I love that I love that you're bringing that up. And so so again with the houses in astrology, right? It's it's each of them represents different domains of life, which is what allows astrologers to um, look not just at where a planet is in terms of what sign it's activating or what planets it's activating in your chart, but it, it can also activate domains of life. So tenth house, career, public reputation, vocation, calling, all that kind of stuff. So Cheryl, I love I love you bringing this up because what you're saying probably sounds to people like why the hell are they writing? 
writing a love letter to Pluto. None of that sounds good. All of that sounds like stuff I don't I'll want. I'll give you my other example after. I think we're ready for it. But yeah, yep. But, but what I'm hearing as you say all of that, because I happen to know you off air, so I happen to have the pleasure and benefit of knowing some of the context for this, is that when I feel like what Pluto does and the way that Pluto can show up in, in your life to get you out of those Groundhog Day places that we were talking about is it's like it it's like it shows up in external events that we maybe didn't ask for, maybe don't even feel good in the moment as they're happening. But what they do is it's like the it's like your soul is conspiring with the universe to bring the change that you need at a soul level, but that your ego has not been ready to admit needs yes. to happen. And that's and it'll make you change. Yeah. It'll make you yeah. go through the motions. Never in 18 years have I ever had a year, or let's say even two years that I've had within my career, just like the, the HR, you know, the HR yep. concerns and like all yep. the crazy shit that's gone down. I could never have predicted that. But as soon as I saw Pluto was there, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. But it's it's sort of like, and at, again, because I know you, right? And here you are making this transition from your day job, which you've been really, really good at for a long time. And you've been promoted and promoted and promoted and you manage a whole bunch of people and you run a team at a very successful company, right? So you're like, by all outward measures, you're super successful in your 10th house, Cheryl. But also it isn't your soul calling. No, <laughs> What you want to do is be a freaking astrologer all the time, right? And so- like the way I read that is, yeah, sure, it doesn't feel good. And it's all this chaos happening in your 10th house. But the way I like to think about Pluto as the destroyer, Pluto as destruction, right? That it, It's like your soul intervening because your ego is running the show and your soul is like, yo, we got to get back on track, folks. <laughs> we are so off mission. This is not oh, the thing. True. And so it might feel in the moment, like, what is all this chaos? But the larger context is it's like jostling you to help you get the message that it's time to make that change and 100%. to get back on mission. And it's a very, yeah. very scary change as a single mom with, a, you know, 18 year career for me to just hop and move and just, oh my God, like, I know what I need to do. I know what my soul needs. It's yeah. the how Pluto's going to make it happen no matter what. Yep. It's and it doesn't thing. mean that it's going to be like lock, stock and barrel. Now you've got the brand new job and you're like, you're the full-time astrologer. No. Like you have to do the work. You have to yeah. do the work. But what it does is it, it's like Pluto comes in and through the stuff that's going on in your life, in that house that's activated, it's like it strips away external attachments that your ego is really attached to like a job title um at so that you can can have that soul level clarity of what what you're actually here to do um and and like so you can get back in touch with with your real self that's some of how i really understand how pluto works um, and Cheryl, as you're talking about Pluto going through your 10th house, it's hard for me not to think about Pluto being in my 10th house birth chart, right? So that's what Pluto me all the time in my, in my natal chart. And it happens to be at the 29th degree of Libra. So, um, uh, for, for students of astrology, uh, it's called a critical degree when a planet is at zero degrees or 29 degrees, because it's like an exclamation point is put on that planet. So super important planet in my chart, but also that means that that, like, I really feel, I really feel Pluto energy just, yes. when it comes through. Your soul um, is on a mission to find its calling. <laughs> and, 
And for me to work with plutonic energy, right? It's like, it's, it's part of my mission has been learning how to work with it instead of fearing it. Right. Which is, you know, um, uh, hopefully Pluto is understanding this love letter that I'm, I'm sending him and taking it as uh, a little bit of an offering. Um, but, uh, the, we love you. We love you. It's fine. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Pluto. Um, but, uh, but, but Cheryl, you're talking about career being where this stuff show, has shown up for you, Pluto, in, in the 10th. Yeah. And for me, Pluto in my 10th house, in my birth chart, um, my big thing that needed to happen to me to get me out of the path I was on that was not actually me living my own life. I was living somebody else's life. I mean, if I want to get really real about it, I was living the unlife, unlived life of one of my parents, right? Which is not a new story. That one's as old as time um, and perfect for Pluto because it's like that stuff ends up in your shadow and you don't realize why you're actually not happy and fulfilled living the life. It's like, well, I'm, I'm outwardly successful. Why is this not my thing? Well, you're living someone else's life. So Pluto came in for wrong me. Wrong life, wrong life. Wrong life. Pluto came in for me um, during, at, and this was at the very, very beginning of what's known as my Pluto square. So I mentioned that Pluto is currently squaring, making a 90 degree angle to my natal Pluto um, uh, in, in Libra, Capricorn Libra, right? So that's the, that's the square. Um, and when this started, so literally when it hit a 10 degree orb, meaning it was 10 degrees away from going exact in that square. Um, and there were some other transits too that I'll spare the folks the astrology on right now, but it had to do with Saturn and Uranus. Um, I was knocked out of the job I was in that I thought was my dream job, but which was killing me and making me miserable. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to me. And it sent it, it's what actually kicked off my spiritual awakening. It's what kicked off. I remember. My, yep. My I final, was there. Yep. Yep. It, it kicked off the process of me, like having to go into the underworld, having that thing stripped away. Right. But part of why that was so important for me with Pluto in my 10th house is because, um, where Pluto is in your, in your, in the houses. And maybe this is a good moment for us to go through some of these like through Pluto yeah. through the houses um, in the 10th house. Um, it's, it's a giving away of your power to your career identity, to your work identity. And so I had spent most of my life completely and solely identified with my work identity, right? And, and that's kind of what needed to get jostled loose for me so that I could have that ego death, right? There's that death so that I could be reborn. There's the rebirth we were talking about to then um, actually find myself and like find who yourself. I am. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we have some... Um... Okay, so Amanda is saying hi, Amanda. Hi, Mary. Hi, Christina. I'm hey, actually ladies. Yay. technology. We're we're really good at this without Emily. It's fine. Um, Amanda is saying Pluto is at zero degrees for her. What yeah. house is it in? Oh, house nine. Oh, she's got zero degrees. House nine. So that's yeah. also a very critical degree. Yeah. Uh, Mary is saying it's eleven degrees. House seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And okay, so those are the two. Let's let, let's start with those ones then, I guess. Okay. And do they know which signs? I'm going to guess that it's probably Pluto and Libra because that's Libra, the I would assume, yeah. And it's me and Cheryl, we both have Pluto and Libra as well. Most people around our age and we're late 30s, early 40s, we're in that kind of range. Um, yes. Uh okay. So let's do Pluto through a few of the houses. So Pluto, let's do Pluto in the 7th first and then we can do Pluto in the 9th. Um sure. Okay. So Pluto, Pluto in the seventh house. So we should probably start before we go through the houses and just saying 
that we work with evolutionary astrology. So you're going to talk to different astrologers who work with different systems. You might get slightly different takes, but this is how we work with it. In evolutionary astrology, your Pluto placement, as I mentioned, is it's your, it tells a lot about your soul's evolutionary intent in incarnating in this life. So it's, it's like, what lessons are you here to learn at a deep, deep, deep soul level? Um, and when you think about Pluto, right, Pluto has a lot to do with power. Um, and, and so there are two basic forms of power as I think about them. There's power that comes from within. And then there's external power, power that you find um, through attachments to external sources. Um, you can think about that like external validation versus like knowing inside that you you have self-worth, right? So Pluto, your Pluto placement, um, which house it's in, is going to say a lot about where you give away your power, like what things in life do you give your power away to and become disempowered as a result of? And so what is the learning you're doing to take back that power from external sources so that you can anchor it within? So Cheryl, do you want to kick off with some thoughts about like Pluto in the seventh? And that's obviously also associated with Libra because Libra rules the seventh house. Yeah. And so we, we so know a little bit about Pluto in She's she's a double. Oh, Christina's the house nine. Who's house seven? I think it was Mary. Mary, Mary. Okay. So yes, she's got the 11th degree house seven. So power struggles um, in close personal relationships are going to be the themes. Um, It can play out in so many different ways. Um, You might simultaneously fear and desire complete absorption in close one-on-one relationship, right? Like you're just sucked right into it. Um, You can find yourself drawn, um, also resistant to close relationships. You can fear um, loss of control in relationships. Like, oh my God, if I, if I don't, if I don't do this in a certain way, I'm going to lose power over my own life because of this relationship. Um, control issues in a partner, um, all sorts of power and control issues in terms of relationships and how you deal with relationships and interact in those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl, I'm so totally with you. And like relationships is the keyword for the seventh house, right? Cause like the first house is the self seventh house is the other. So it's all about committed partnerships, marriage, relationships, business relationships. It's all kinds of relationships. The seventh house is relationship territory. Oh, I might say one more thing. So people who are, so Mary, you might be drawn to people who are very, very intense, very jealous, possessive, obsessive. Some people that seem powerful to you, you might be drawn to that in your relationships. That could be kind of like a Pluto- Yep. calling you in, you know, to those types of fun relationships. We'll call them fun. I love this. And and so like some of what Pluto can be associated with is um is like karmic relationships because there's a your soul is going to call in the people and the experiences that are your learning um, opportunities, right? And so as we've been talking about like external events happening to you that then like force the change, well personally, because I'm, I subscribe to a, a non-dual view of self, right? We are all, we are all one, right? 
sing kumbaya, right? You, you can, you get where that goes. Like, but um, the, the, the separateness is all an illusion. So our, our, our soul is calling in the stuff that feels like it's other people that feels like it's external events for our, our benefit, for our highest and greatest good for our soul growth. But in relationships that can often play out, especially with Pluto on the seventh, just to like, totally agree with everything Cheryl just said as karmic relationships, relationships that can feel very like um, magnetism. It's like you almost couldn't avoid being pulled into it because like you felt, you felt like you were, you were karmically fated to meet. Um, And so some of what can happen with Pluto in the seventh, right. Is it's like, it's, it's about learning about yourself and your own internal power through relationships. Um, And because Cheryl um, and I both have Pluto in Libra, right? There is actually some connection to what you've got, um, Mary, because um, uh, she's in Scorpio. She's got Pluto in Scorpio, she says. But but I'm but I'm going to say there's a connection because Libra rules the seventh house. Seventh house. So there's a little, yes. there's a little bit of overlap, and so I can yeah. say like we actually know a little bit of we can we can feel your pain a little bit, Mary, with this one. Um, and so um, some of how I understand Pluto in Libra and Pluto in the seventh um, is that. Um, it's it, it can be codependency, right? A real challenge can be codependency because of um, feeling that like um, uh, your power coming through the relationship, like the strong desire and need to be in a relationship, fear being alone, fear of like, you know, that, um, uh, that you only are worthy if you have a relationship or that you're worthy based yeah. on relationship, like all of that can come through with Pluto in the seventh. Um, and, and like taken to the extremes that can be losing yourself in a relationship, like abandoning yourself to a relationship, possibly like an abusive partner or a, like a domineering partner. Um, I, I I'll just say I'm raising my hand. I've lived all of these so far and I'm hey. only 38. <laughs> right there with you sister yep yep and it was learning because what is our soul doing by putting our pluto in the seventh house or in libra it's telling us you're going to learn about yourself through relationships and the relationships are going to be a mirror for you you're going to call people in who are going to be your teachers and so i have to say one of the things that i've really appreciated about um uh, evolutionary astrology is like it, it has helped me look back on my life it, with entirely different um, glasses. It's like, I'm, I'm able to look at some of the, like, I, I was in some really terrible relationships. So were you, Cheryl, we have some like serious similarities there. Mm-hmm. And, and like there, I spent a long time, um, I think beating myself up for being in those relationships. I spent a long time feeling like, oh, you know, like I, I should be ashamed that I stayed in really abusive, really bad relationships. Yeah. It can be embarrassing. Yeah. But I think the new the new spin on it that I now have with the the benefit of astrology, thinking about like why would my soul have called in these experiences, is I'm now able to look at those horrible, shitty relationship partners as some of my greatest teachers in this life. And it's not because they were teaching me goodness and light and love. They were, they were teaching me about myself and it was through difficulty. It was through pain, but I learned, um, I learned a lot. Um, uh, and I, and I learned through the process that I am, um, my, my own source of my power, that it doesn't come from other people. And right. I, and I sort of had to go through those, through the fire, right. To, to get to that place. Do you feel like that Cheryl with this? Yes. 100%. I can look back now. I was mad at myself at one point. I'm very hard and self-critical. Pluto's in my sixth house. So when it comes to all of that, I'm very 
I, yes, but I've completely look back on those relationships now and what I've learned and what I was able to do is walk away and, and learn the risk learn to love myself. Yeah. I love myself first. Like yeah. that's really what it came down to. It's like, why am I like sitting in this relationship for how many years? Like what, what's happening? Like, <laughs> that's exactly right. And it's like you, so it's instead of, it's like, you have to you have to let go of looking for your power in somebody else. Yes. Right. And it's then you start to realize, oh, wait, it's actually in me. And that was what needed to happen for me to find a healthy and functional relationship. Happy ending on my end, right? Like now married to a wonderful person who's in the other room, probably hearing all of this and laughing and being like, oh, of course she's talking about Pluto because he hears me talk about Pluto all the time. Bless him. He is super tolerant of my my um, <laughs> astrology talk, more than tolerant. He is actually very interested. Um, well, to a point, but um, love him. Um, but I needed I needed to... I needed to find my power within um, so that I could get out of the Groundhog Day loop of continuing to um, partner with people who were going to treat me like shit um, because at my core, I believed I wasn't worthy of love, right? And that's really kind of what it shows you. So the making the unconscious conscious, it was through the mirroring of other people treating me like shit and beating up on me that I was able to realize, wait a second, I believed I was worthy of that treatment. That was how I was treating myself internally. So of course I called it in through other people to help me see what was under the surface. Um, so, and I know, I know Cheryl, it's, it's similar for it you. It all stemmed from my dad. It all stemmed from my dad for me. I was, I was, the wrong one died. Remember? Yeah. The wrong yeah. one. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, yeah, like, you know, I was, who's going to love me. Okay. I'll just settle. Right. Until yeah. you realize and go, no, 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 no. I'm worth way more than that. And yeah. you learn from it. So, um, we've got another person who said ninth house. I forget. Yeah. Who Christina. Pluto in the ninth, Pluto in the ninth. Okay. So, um, and Mary, does any of this resonate for you? How is this landing for you? We just did a, did a number on Pluto in the seventh there. She said, very interesting. All right. Um, We'll we'll let her, we'll let her uh, respond. But in the meantime, the ninth house is my favorite and I got nothing in it. Unless we go whole sign houses. Yeah, I, got yeah. the moon. I got the moon there then. Okay. But in Coke, it's I've got nothing in the ninth house. And it's my favorite one. I'm jealous. But what's on the cusp of the ninth for you? The cusp of the ninth is Sagittarius, not Sagittarius. It is Scorpio. Scorpio. Oh, you've got Scorpio on the ninth. Okay. Because, mm-hmm. you know, little, little pro tip. It, even if you have no planets in a house, it doesn't mean that that doesn't show up in your life. You can look at the sign that's on the cusp of the house and that will tell you the dominant archetype. Like Capricorn. Sorry. I went oh, backwards. Oh Cap- yeah. It was Cap- Capricorn on the ninth for you. Yeah. So oh, okay. it's still not fun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you're freaking Pluto in the sixth. You're all self-judgmental. You're like, ah, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, All right. Exactly. So, yeah. So it, even if you don't have planets in a house, though, just a reminder, you you can look at the cut the sign on the cusp of that house and you will get a sense for the archetype that um you uh embody in that area of life. What is the ninth house associated with? Ninth house is one of my favorites in astrology, too. Right. Um, the ninth house is associated with um uh higher education. Um, it's associated with publishing, politics, law, the higher mind, long distance travel, foreign languages. What am I leaving out, Cheryl? Ninth house stuff. Oh, opinions and belief systems. Oh, yeah. Extreme belief belief systems. systems, right? 
Yep. Yeah. Debates. Um, debates e can easily turn into arguments if you have Pluto in the ninth house, I think. <laughs> I wonder if, if Christina is very persuasive and intelligent, very probing, in, incisive mind, strong so, opinions, well researched. Am I am I off the? No, I, I love this. I love this. The, the ninth, the ninth house in astrology is associated with Sagittarius, and I happen to be a Sagittarius rising, and I also have a bunch of planets in the ninth. So I, I really, I really love the ninth house too, Cheryl. And so Jupiter, who rules Sag, is associated with the ninth house too, and so everything we're saying, right? Um, belief, right, goes goes along with with all of this. The way I work with that um, with Pluto in the ninth in astrology um, is that the, the thing that your soul is um, like overly is potentially like needing to move through in terms of where you're overly attached and where you're attaching to external things is its belief systems, right? Yeah. So it's like Pluto in the ninth, you might have grown up with like a super, super dogmatic um, belief system. Um, I was working with a client a couple of weeks ago who has um, Pluto in the um, in the ninth, and her thing was she grew up. I won't name the religion because I'm not trying to knock any particular religion, but she grew up with a very, very, very um, dogmatic, fundamentalist set of parents Unusual who and wasted. They foisted the religion on her. She didn't buy into it, but it was like she didn't have a choice. And they were they were like, this is the only truth in the world. And she was like, oh, wait a second. And like had to have her own awakening where she separated from that and, and like left that church so that she could find herself. And so that was her like evolution process of what her soul was looking to learn, right? It was like moving away from maybe a belief system that um, is is overly dogmatic, overly fund fundamentalist, so that you can actually establish your own understanding of what life means, like what is the meaning of life? That's another kind of ninth house thing, meaning of life. Um, so um, so how does how is this landing for you, um, Christina, um, with your with your Pluto in the ninth? We're throwing and a bunch yep. out there. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so um, what about like the sense of adventure? I have somebody who has Pluto in the ninth house, one of my best friends and her, she runs into these most unique, unusual experiences in her travels in anything that she does um, in, a, in her job. She is the most captivating speaker ever. Like when she speaks it's kind of like you actually, Rebecca, like, it's like, she can just keep going and going and so persuasive and just captivating and inspiring speaker. And I don't even um, know if she realizes it. I'm just uh, like, you're freaking amazing. Like, I love, I love how you're like, just could, could keep going and going. Yes. I am a little bit of a talker. This is all very, I love true. it. No, that's so good though. You're able to just, it, it just flows you're able to teach you're able to the, people with ninth house placements are they just have it emily too yeah my son is in the ninth house and my and i'm a sag rising and i have a, a sag stellium and so i definitely associate with some of the um uh the i resonate with the energy of the of the teacher um all that kind of stuff so what other anybody Christina else said i've moved across the country multiple times yeah yes, like yeah. they're just Travel. unusual experiences but you're you're yeah. willing to do it you got Pluto there supporting that, that transformation. I love this. And I, I think just to like be positive too, and do the other side of the coin, part of what you're talking about, Cheryl, and like, this is, this is like the flip that happens when you start to do the sympathetic magic of working with the energy instead of letting the energy happen to you, right? When you become the cause in your own life, as opposed to being the effect, a lot of ways that we often say this in this podcast, um, when you start to work with 
Plutonian energy. And when you start to embrace where you are powered up in this life, it's not just about a lesson that your soul is looking to learn. Cheryl is like exactly like bang on with this. It's like, it's realizing your superpowers, realizing your hidden power that powers you up in a particular area of life, which if you no longer um, are in the place of experiencing it solely as things happening to you um, outside of your control because you you've you've started to own your power. You've done that shadow work of saying, ah, look at the buried riches in the basement that I have found along with the trauma that I have now made conscious. That's what then puts you in the position to work with instead of fearing the powering up in that area. And so like, yeah, like long distance travel, for example, or like you're saying, speaking or publishing, having Pluto in that house doesn't have to be all um, bad. It doesn't have to be all lessons. It can also be, holy shit, I have superpowers in this particular area. Right. So like um, my that's, friend, that's she doesn't cool. realize how good she is. And she yeah. is just such a teacher, such a speaker when she doesn't even mean to be. Yeah. 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 No, it's just, like, it it's just comes. Her. Yeah. So is there anybody else who wants us to do Pluto through the houses? Cause we could also just do a quick round Robin, like lightning round of going yes, through. We can totally do that. I'm trying to see. Uh, Amanda has the ninth house. Mary, we did seventh house. Four. Oh, so Amanda also has ninth. We're good. Yeah. We so go let's through. do Let's do a lightning round. So let's do a lightning round because we've got a few minutes left. And I feel like this is probably something folks would love to hear. I know sometimes when I listen to astrology podcasts and then there's like people do like two or three houses on something, I'm like, but you didn't do mine. What's mine? You know, we got to do. We got to do. You're right. So we'll, you're right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. Um, and we'll we started little, first. We started a little bit late. So we had, we actually have like, we, we have like 10, we have like 10 or 11 minutes left and we can go a little long if we need to. So Okay, so Pluto in the first, kick us off, Cheryl, kick us off with the first house. Pluto okay, first. so uh, Pluto in the first house, fears of being uh, overpowered, fears of being uh, rejected, minimized, mm-hmm. um, less confident. Um, I'm trying to think. Yep, because yeah. the first house is intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, first house, the first house is associated with Aries, but it's also associated with like your, um, your body, your mind, your, your energetic approach to life. Right. So to have Pluto in the first house is going to be pretty intense. You're probably going to be perceived as a pretty intense person for sure. Um, cause you're going to have it right there near your ascendant. But, um, I love all the things you just offered. I've worked with a few clients who have Pluto in the first and the thing that comes through with them is like this really, really deep seated fear of being trapped because of like a really strong need for freedom. And so like the way that I work with Pluto in the first is that the lesson that the person is, um, is kind of looking to learn, um, is actually around self-expression and is around like embracing that freedom. Um, and, um, and so, you know, sometimes that can mean like people are, um, people show up as like, really, 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 um, like strong willed. Um, but sometimes it can show up as like on the one hand, and this is with his, where it's been true for like all of my clients who have Pluto in the first, like a deep seated feeling on some level that you like, you want freedom. You're like deeply seeking freedom, but at the same time, feeling trapped and feeling like you're not able to move past some kind of limitation. I think, okay. So what you're saying, basically avoid, strive to avoid getting your back up more than necessary and viewing life as like some sort of a battleground. 
And like, and like own that you want freedom. I think that's the other thing I would say. Yeah. I'm looking, like, I have little notes. I have like my own cheat sheet on like Pluto through the houses. Cause this comes up with all my clients. And it's like, um, if you're feeling stuck or trapped, right. It's like, well, what's holding you back from actually experiencing life on your own terms. What's holding you back from being able to break free and to experience the new and to, um, you know, actually like self-express. So, um, that's that's like the very short version of Pluto in the in the first Pluto in the second house. So second house is associated with money, with resources, with your values, with your self-esteem, your self-worth. How do you work with Pluto in the second, Cheryl? I would say um, you you could experience um, form of loss or destruction. So we're thinking of Pluto in your life that leads to lessons of change through, you have to learn that strength, worth, value, wealth, all of that comes from within. Yeah. And yeah. so that once you understand that, you know, that's, that's where the transformation comes in. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. I love that. It's like developing your internal sense of value, developing yeah. that internal anchor, internal. like in, instead of it being like, like I've got, I have, I have a couple of clients, one who I saw a few weeks ago and we spent like almost the entire reading talking about her Pluto in the second house placement, because like, as soon as I brought it up, she was like, this is it, this is everything. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that's always how it goes whenever you like, that's why I love evolution astrology. It's like, you could talk about the sun and the moon and the rising and whatever, but like, it's when you go to Pluto that like the shit comes up and people are like, this is everything. I didn't, this isn't why I came to the reading. Honestly, it's literally every time I, I, any client it's the first thing we talk about. I have a client tomorrow who's got Pluto in her fourth house in her solar return. Let me tell you what she's going through right now going to have to do with family oh, and woman foundation. Oh, oh big time. Yeah. Big time. Yep. Another yeah. thing with the second house is probably um powerful need for control or feeling that you have to have such strong control over money and possessions. Yeah, yeah, money and possessions for sure. And right? it's like so there's like a, there's like a survival fear, right? Yes. And that and that's, and like, that's some, that's somehow, that's actually what I was going to say. Like this client that I was working with a couple of weeks ago, where we spent like all this time talking about her Pluto in the second house, what was coming through was that she has this core anxiety about survival. It's like this survival fear that she, like, she doesn't know where it comes from. Like it's, she's never been low income in her life. She's never had trouble meeting her own needs. Um, we actually did some work, um, uncovering some past life memories and past life trauma she has that brings in some of that survival fear, but, um, it can often show up Pluto in the second as like, sometimes it's, like people are feeling drawn to or driven to like acquire lots of material resources. And it can be like this never ending chase for like, what's going to be enough to feel safe because somehow the money is the thing people are anchoring in. That's sometimes how it shows up, or maybe it can be your job or your livelihood. Cause that can be associated with the second house too. But again, coming back to what Cheryl said, the, the, the work, the lesson is about to, um, finding the, um, really finding self-love, right. Finding that, um, uh, internal value that, that anchoring internally, as opposed to externally. Not easy to do easier said than done. <laughs> um, so then Pluto, Pluto in the third house. So third house significations, siblings, um, but also like your neighbors, it can be cousins. It can be like close, um, family that aren't your like family of origin. So all of that stuff is kind of, um, is, is kind of third house, but it's also communication. It's, 
Um, it's the, the lower mind as opposed to the higher mind. So it's like your conscious mind and how you communicate, uh, with those around you. That's some of how I think about it as being related to siblings too, is because like you're, if you have a sibling, that person is the person that you like first start communicating with as a child, who's not your parents. Um, so those are some of the third house things. What, what pops for you with third house Pluto, Cheryl? So loss of self through, uh, um, how do I want to say this? Mm-hmm. People who have Pluto in the third are going to come across as exceptionally persuasive in mm-hmm. their self-expression, mm-hmm. um, whether that's spoken word, whether that's written word, um, simply because when I think of Pluto, it, it, they communicate with authority. They communicate, they're going to communicate with conviction, with strength, with decisiveness, like it's a Pluto powerful thing, right? And I, I would say that they tend to learn through observing rather than asking questions And they might even be resistant to learn directly from others because they want that control. They want to self-teach. They want to like take, take over themselves, right? They want to have control over how they're learning and how, what they're learning. Um, And so that's, that's what kind of comes to me. Yeah, I like that. And and I think some of what you're describing is like, if you start to work with your Pluto, like that's how it can manifest in like the highest vibration forms. I think before people get to that point, one of the things that I have seen with people I know who have third house Pluto placements, and I'm not going to name, but somebody in my family has a third house Pluto placement. So I know, I know this one very well and how it shows up in some of its um, lower vibrations. Um, uh, It can be like the constant restless need to know yes because but not from somebody else figure it control it and figure it out yourself and it's it's like but also like you think that like the thing you give your power away to is like knowing things because like the third house gemini there's a level of like you know it's we were talking about communication but it's also it's like it's it's um it can be learning it can also just be learning and that's an important third house significator so um people with third house pluto placements if they're in an insecure place. And if they haven't yet anchored within, um, it can be the constant seeking to know things because you think that knowing things is going to make you powerful and it's going to make you feel powerful. But, but the, there can also be like a defensiveness that comes with that. And actually like a fundamental intellectual insecurity, um, that like the, the fear is that you're going to get caught not knowing something. Right. And like that, if that's your currency, if that's how you anchor, then it's like, well, some people, it doesn't sound the end of the world. I'm married to somebody. He doesn't care if he knows or doesn't know. He's not, it's not where his power is. But like this person in my family, if you, if, if they don't know something, if something comes up and it's like, they don't know it and they're caught not knowing they're like, that's like the most terrifying thing for them. That's exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's a little bit of like the third house. Um, and I think like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, yeah, the lesson is to, is to actually, you're trying to power up in that space, but, um, you're, I, I think, you know, the, um, the restless seeking can actually be kind of a huge energy leak for people. Um, it can, cause it can, you can be spending a ton of energy without realizing it um, constantly, constantly seeking the new, seeking to discover, seeking to know the things you don't know um, to your base. It's like compensation. It's like, that, that's a good word for thinking about Pluto placements overcompensation. Where do you overcompensate so that you can feel secure? That's that, that's a great way to think about Pluto placements. Where in your life do you overcompensate um, it's so that you can feel secure. So in the third house, it would be by knowing things. Um, uh, fourth house, what are the fourth house significations, Cheryl? 
For me, I would say that if you have Pluto in the fourth house, you've probably experienced like your early childhood experiences were probably shocking, intense, scary events, and they still live within you. And you still learn, you still have to kind of face what those are, or maybe you absorbed um, strong fears or obsessions with a parent or a parental figure. I'm trying to, a love for psychology even in the fourth house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like all of this. The fourth house is associated in astrology with um, uh, with your family of origin, with your home, with your foundation. And foundation can be like your core in like your inner core too, right? Which obviously a lot of that starts to get developed um, early in childhood, which is why early childhood yeah. comes up. Um, uh, I think about- Parent shit. This yep. is all parent shit. <laughs> it's the mother wound or the father wound, depending. It can be both, right? You know, I'm, yes. I'm in the case of both, but um, the fourth, yeah, fourth house Pluto and, and fourth house is associated with cancer and astrology to keep, keep doing that as we do the wheel. Um, I, I work with that as like, and I, I happen to know somebody um, who has a fourth house Pluto placement and this, this tracks for her. I haven't had any clients who have had fourth house Pluto. I you know, when you're an astrologer, you start to pay attention to all the people, you know, and their birth charts. And it, it, you know, you start to see things in um, not just in your clients, but um, I look at that as like something happened probably early in childhood that was really formative. That means that you learned early on, you couldn't rely on your family as your source of security. And whether that's like something Maybe you lost a family member. Maybe you had a parent die early on. Maybe you had both parents die. That's, um, that's, that's part of, you know, so I, someone in my life who has Pluto in the fourth, um, both lost both parents, right. Which obviously very, very hard, very, very, very challenging, um, to, to move through. But like, why would your soul call that in? Like, what is the growth opportunity in that? Again, it comes back to everything we've been saying in all the houses. It's about developing that inner self-reliance. It's about coming back and anchoring within the self, um, um, uh, and, and so, you know, that's, that's some of what, um, can come with fourth house Pluto. I should say also, it's not just losing a family member, like fourth house Pluto can also be like your family didn't understand you at an early age. And like, you right. didn't feel understood. Guilty, your family. Or, yes. You're feeling ashamed or guilty or whatever. Yeah. 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 And, or maybe you like you're, you had like a dysfunctional family in some kind of way. And so you didn't feel safe in the family. So basically like security could, didn't come from your your family in a way that like would be true of a quote unquote healthy childhood. Um, and so now you, you, you've got to find the, the, um, the sense of self within, as opposed to having it just come from your family. Um, okay. So we're making good time on this lightning round. We're a little bit over, but that's okay because no one's going to kick us out. Um, so Cheryl, what, um, what do you want to do for the fifth house? Oh, um, I love the fifth house. My fifth house is stacked. Thank you. If I didn't have the ninth house, I'll take the fifth house. Because that's my second favorite one. Um, I don't have Pluto in the fifth house, but the fifth house is creative impulses. It's child rearing. It's romance, beginning of romances, like the initial part of romances, the playing part, the pleasure part. Um, And so with Pluto there, you probably possess powerful creative impulses. Um, You can invest a lot of energy and passion into the creative arts, into the romance, into having children. Um, Right. Creativity. All of right. Am I, am I on the right path here? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Fifth house creativity. I think of Pluto in the fifth as um, it's like, what is your, what is your soul calling in? What is your soul trying to do? It's like, 
it's like, and I was just working with a client a couple of weeks ago who had a placement um, that was Pluto in the fifth. Um, and the way I was describing it to her was it's um, the, the goal by your soul is creative self-actualization. So it's like, it's like yourself, like you, do you ever, did you ever, Cheryl, did you ever see the play or the movie Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat? Yes. Or it's like, it's like the, the like colorful coat with like all the different colors, like in its full glory. That's like kind of what your soul wants to do. Um, But how does this show up? Well, that's, that's when you get to the higher vibration of it. Like that's what your soul's learning goal is. But the way that it can show up is like, you can be constantly seeking external validation and like in the form of applause, because fifth house is associated with Leo. And so like all the world's a stage. And so it can be like, you're constantly seeking applause for, for just for existing because you didn't get it early in childhood and you like wanted to be seen um, by your parents, but you, you know, maybe you didn't really feel sufficiently applauded. Maybe you never feel sufficiently applauded. And so you're like constantly looking for the stage um, so that you can get validation of yourself. Um, I, I will also note one of my favorite things about Pluto in the fifth house as a placement is that it can be associated with past lives where you were royalty. Oh, um, I love that. And, and I, I, my husband has Pluto in the fifth. I'm just going to out him here. Um, and I swear to God, he walks through life as though he still thinks that he's royalty. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. He's actually, he's actually very humble. He's not an asshole. He's lovely, but like for example, he never packs a suitcase to go anywhere. I'm packing a suitcase. We're going on a trip and he like, doesn't bring luggage. And I'm like, what, like, what, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the carriage is going to arrive? And like the footmen are going to have your bags. And he's like, well, yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. I love him already. I know. So we always joke. So maybe, maybe the attitude towards play, entertainment, recreation, it's intense. It's oh, yeah. rarely lighthearted. Oh yeah. No, these are people. It's not who... lighthearted if you got Pluto there. It's very intense the way he plays or entertains or right. Yeah, it's like it's like a um the the phrase that comes through for me that um I internalized early in learning evolutionary astrology is like this is a placement associated with like a joyful opening of the arms to the cosmos. It's like you want you want to experience life to the fullest and to like be the fullest version of yourself. Um, okay. Sixth house, Pluto, Cheryl, you know, this one very well, cause that's you. Oh, that's me. So very easily obsessed with finding answers to problems or just having a problem to find an answer for and over analyzing and finding problems that others overlook. I love it when others overlook things. And then I can, I come alive when I'm presented with a problem that requires analysis and research and redoing and re it's like an obsession. I can work and work and work. Like I can go all night and I'll sit here and I, it's just, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's like obsessive. It can be, I think like with all this stuff, nothing's inherently good or bad. It's like, it can be, can be, you can, you can use anything we're talking about to its highest vibration, right. Or or you can get dragged down by it and have it be the low vibration. So it can be, it can be either. I feel like, let, let me say what I, what I think about with Pluto and the six and tell me if you think that this tracks for you. So the sixth house is associated with Virgo Mm -hmm. in astrology, Virgo, um, and the, and the sixth house, what are, what are, what are some of the significators there's work but also like it's Virgo's the critic. Virgo is the I was going to say fear of criticism. It runs my life is the fear of being criticized. 
And so you, and and you are probably your biggest critic, right? Like the inner critic in your head probably has like more real estate than they're like paying rent for. Um, and so you, you end up with like the constant, you potentially, you end up with like the, the constant never ending tape stuck on loop in your head, um, telling you like all the things you did wrong, all the ways you're a terrible person, all the things okay. you should be embarrassed by, or like, Cheryl, you're just not good enough. Right. Like, is that some of how you hear? Always yeah. constant. I mean, you know how long it's taken me to make this tarot deck. Yeah. It's been four years. Cause you're constantly being like, it's not perfect yet. It's, it's not, not perfect. perfect. It's and perfect. I'm still mad. I'm still, I'm like, I, it has to end at some point. <laughs> Pluto and the Pluto in the sixth though, like if that's some of your challenge, what is your soul trying to do? Well, there's a, there's a desire there to power up the mind, right? Again, um, Mercury rules Virgo in some, in some systems. I also like to think about Chiron is the ruler for we'll yeah. get into that today. Um, and so Mercury mind thoughts. So you've got, you've got a powered up mind, but it's, it's Mercury turned inward in Virgo and in the sixth house. And so it's like the soul has powered up the mind to be able to look within, to analyze the self. And from an evolutionary perspective, why would you do that? Well, it's, it's because, you know, if you think about like the, the very slow moving evolution of consciousness across lifetimes, the sign that comes before is what we were just talking about Leo and the fifth house. And so it's like, you've powered powered up and you've self-actualized, but also Leo can be kind of associated with, um, arrogance and with, um, uh, like a very, very highfalutin sense of self. And, um, and, and so there there's, it's almost like your soul is like correcting for that and saying, actually, now is the time to humble a little bit. Now is the time for us to like come down from thinking that like we are Joseph with the Technicolor dream coat and to be like, actually, where, where do we have some areas we need to improve? You a little are bit? good because I got Leo on the sixth house cusp. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice tie in. Oh my God. That's perfect. So you like totally love this. So, yes. so you, end, so yeah, so you, so you can end up with like, if it's taken to a logical conclusion, like, oh my God, I'm never good enough. Oh my God. I, I, I'm never going to be perfect. But you know, part of what you're trying to do is to, is your soul's trying to get critical feedback. Your soul is trying to get critical feedback with any of the unresolved fifth house stuff that you've got to work through at, in, in, in service of your broader um, consciousness evolution. So I love this. Yeah. Um, um, Cheryl, take us, Cheryl, we did the seventh house because we, we already did the seventh house. Um, we, so that, that takes us to the eighth house, um, Ooh, eighth eighth house. house. misunderstood. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and one of your favorite houses too. So talk about the eighth house. So I would say the eighth house. Okay. So ruled by Scorpio also ruled by Pluto. Right. And yeah. so let's, let's talk about the occult sciences great mysteries um, and the darker side of life is probably very fascinating to those with Pluto in the eighth house. Mm. Um, let's talk about sexual relationships, probably really intense, perhaps a little bit complicated, mm. right? Fascinated with fearful uh, and fearful of deep intimacy, um, deep, passionate, intense experiences with others mm. sexually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep throwing that sex in there. Oh yeah. Um, it has sex, man. All sex. Yeah. 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 It has sex. Yes. So you probably attract controlling people into your experience. Maybe. 
I love this. Or maybe you are one of those people. Maybe you are. Yes. You can play a role in these scenarios. I know. I, I love all of that. Scorpio. So Scorpio is associated with the eighth house. So some of what we're saying can also be true of Pluto and Scorpio and somebody who's with us. I think maybe it was Mary has Pluto and Scorpio. So this is going to apply as well. It, um, this is Pluto in its own sign. Pluto in the eighth house, Pluto and Scorpio. This is Pluto on its home turf. So it is Pluto extra, extra powerful. Pluto with an exclamation point. Um, and some of how I understand this is that it's, yeah, it's, it's, everything comes back to power, right? It's like, everything is a power struggle for you. Everything is about trying to hoard power, trying to have power, trying to find power and usually power over other people, um, or over experiences in your life, right. In the form of control, like Cheryl was talking about. Um, and, and like what, what underpins that? Well, the way I understand the core intention that your soul is looking to learn, if you have Pluto in the eighth house or in Scorpio is like, you are looking to, explore, and this was sort of some of how it was taught to me. So it's going to get a little bit meta because um, my um, uh, my instructor in evolutionary astrology is a very eighth house person. It's very like esoteric. Pluto in the eighth, the goal is to explore the ego soul dilemma, right? Oh, it's, like, it's, like, it's like to the extent that the individual ego is seeking to remain separate and to maintain a personal sense of identity, right? Like to the extent that the, we were talking about ego death before and how your soul sometimes is like, no, 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 no. We got to knock the ego down a little bit. So the ego isn't in control so that the soul can get back on, on mission. If your ego is like, no, I'm in control. <laughs> then like, this is where the soul and the ego can kind of end up in, in a dilemma. Um, and if you, if you have an eighth house Pluto, you probably have a super powered up ego, right? And so you actually have a very strong ego. And so you can end up with like this really, really deep seated fear of losing control a deep-seated fear of losing power, right? And it's all ego fear. It's not your soul that's fearing that. Your soul wants to merge with the oneness I was talking about before, right? That's what your soul is looking for. But your ego can be like, I'm really afraid I'm going to get betrayed by that person. Or I'm really afraid I'm going to get hurt by that person. And so what do you do? Well, maybe you betray the other person first, or you cut off the relationship, or you leave the person because you're afraid you're going to get hurt and you want to stay in the dominant place. You don't want to lose your power. Keep the power. Yes. So it's like your ego is like at war with your soul, trying to use power. I have like multiple dear friends who I'd say everything I'm saying right now is like totally resonant for them when we have these conversations. Um, but it's it also in the powering up some of the stuff you were talking about too. I love this. I don't always want to leave it with like the, the challenges. Um, the people, people with this placement can be like really good armchair, armchair psychologists, or like they can be really good actual psychologists because they have really good insight into, into like how the psyche works. They have really good, this is Pluto in its own sign. It's, it's Pluto being the alchemist, right? So it's like, they can have really strong psychological insight to other people. Um, uh, and, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, the fear really comes in around like the fear of losing power. So, um, that's Pluto in the eighth, um, we did Pluto on the 10th. Cause we talked about it for your work and also for my natal chart. Um, although, you know, maybe we didn't quite like close out Pluto in the 10th. I think the thing I would say with Pluto in the 10th, right. Is like, we were talking about how it, you can it, Pluto can your Pluto placement in your birth chart can come down to like where in your life do you overcompensate um, so that you can feel secure. Well, it, it it can be overcompensating at work. 
it can be like trying to, and this is, this is definitely defined my life, trying to like achieve, 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 and achieve like worldly success and like career success to, to paper over the not feeling secure inside. And that definitely is the story of like the first multiple decades of my life. Um, uh, the 10th house is associated with Capricorn. Um, and so, so work is a, a big part of that identity, um, work status, but like the core evolutionary lesson that the soul is looking to learn there just to close out the 10th house properly for some symmetry with the rest of what we're talking about is it's like to find your place in society, um, and to develop the right relationship to that place in society so that it doesn't rule you and you're not deriving your power from your, your work title, like we do in, in, at this point in, in human history, right? What do you do for work is like a proxy for who are you, um, at this point in like Western society. Um, but it's to develop the right relationship to it. So my whole journey and, I'm, this is literally what I talk about all the time because I'm obsessed with it right now, um, is like developing my, the right relationship to my work. Um, so there we go for the 10th house. Cheryl, take it to the 11th house. Oh, the 11th house. I'm waiting for it to leave Capricorn and get into Aquarius because it's ruled by Aquarius, which is the 11th house. So your friendships, your group associations, you're probably going to have an all or nothing approach to that. Um, power or control issues around your friendships, yep. around your group associations, around your social life. Your social life is probably going to go through tons of drastic changes. If you have Pluto in the 11th house, you're going to have a lot of drastic changes in friendships or friendships will begin intense. They'll begin at an intense level, right? Um, power of the group to affect necessary changes. You could be an influential leader, um, in society, if you have Pluto in the 11th house, maybe. I don't know anybody with uh, Pluto in the 11th. Do you have any clients? with? I do. I have a couple. Yeah. And um, I was talking with a client who had Pluto in the 11th, like maybe a month ago. And um, some of how I was talking about it with her that was really resonant. And so this, um, this, you know, it's, there's a lot of ways this can show up in people's lives, but um, Pluto in the 11th, is like you have a ton of um, stored up and it can actually be like past life experiences along these lines, like bondage. You have a lot of like um, burden of responsibility that you feel like you're holding that you want to break free of. The, the 11th house is associated with Aquarius, which is ruled by Uranus in modern astrology. And so there's a level of like wanting to break free. Uh, Uranus is the liberator. Um, and so there can be a really strong desire to decondition from the past and to break free from the chains once you bec become aware of what the chains are that are holding you back from individuation uranus again individuation um so the so some of how it was showing up for her is like she had my client she she had really strong um uh, parental expectations put on her from very early in childhood about who she was supposed to be. And she was like the person, um, person who, um, and this is true of a lot of people who are, um, first generation, um, Americans who are immigrants, whose families comes over. And that was that was, whose families come over. That was true for her. A lot of burden and a lot of responsibility was put on her from an early age because she spoke English and her parents were still learning English. And so there was a lot of like, well, you've got family expectations and there's a lot of like, you know, responsibility. And so that, that was some of what was coming up, um, was like, she was feeling like she, um, uh, was was held back by who she had been told she was supposed to be and held back by the chains that wow. were kind of 
restraining her from individuating. Um, the so yeah, so that's that's some of how the eleventh house Pluto can can show up. Um, so it's deep like, aversions like groups, associations. Uh, no and actually she what's interesting is she's already by the time i was talking with her she had already moved through enough of her life she's getting close to 50 so she had already moved through enough of her life that she had become aware of some of this and already had done a lot of her own individuation even though it took a lot of work and what she was able to identify in herself is that she had been powered up in the in in 11th house ways right she's a she's an amazing networker she's like a real she's like got great power through like all of the network growth that, right. she, that she's had. Right. And so we're like 11th house is also associated with hopes and dreams. And so I think where she needed to break free from conditioning was around like her own hopes and dreams. She needed to move beyond like what her parents had told her she should be so that she could say, oh, actually, here's what I want to be. Here's, here's who I have, you know, want to be here are my hopes and, and dreams. Um, but, but no, she she's like, I had to listen to other people's yeah, yeah. dreams and follow them rather than to her. And now she's realized. Yep. Yep. So like the giving that. away of the power to the other people's hopes and dreams. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly right. Um, all right. Let's close it out with the 12th house. 12th 12th house. house. Oh boy. When we've gone a little long. One, this is the one I least, yeah. the least one I understand. Oh yeah. This, oh, this is my favorite of the Pluto placements. Oh my God. I love this one, but. Okay. Take it off. Take it away. Well, tw- well no, we should, we should tag team this. Cause like you, so 12th, 12th house. Cause I feel like you've been doing a great job, Cheryl, just like riffing on like what each of these different houses like are associated with. What, what are some of the things you think about with the 12th house before we get into Pluto? Like 12th house significators it's associated with Pisces. Other people's motives, uh, like, secrets, karma, unconscious mind, unconscious mind. Yes. Yep. yep. Like the great beyond. Um, there's like a level of like, I sometimes think about 12th house as being like, um, like the shadow, like all of that, which is not in conscious awareness. Right. So, um, so that's, that's some of what 12th house is. So, okay. So 12th house Pluto, and then this is going to bring us home. And I have to say, this has been so much fun doing like this whole wheel. I love, I love the houses so much. Pluto through the houses. I know you always want to talk about the houses. I know. I know. I love it. (laughs) So now Emily's going to be like, oh, you finally talked about the houses without me. Yeah. She's not here to not derail me from the houses. She's also not here to keep us on time, right? So, oh yeah, we're 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 an hour and a half. Perfect. Yeah, but that's okay. That's okay because people want to know what what does it mean in their house, um, in yes. the house. Name. So, okay, so closing it out. So Pluto in the twelfth. Twelfth house is associated with Pisces, and in addition to everything we just said, Pisces um, it brings in like a merging with the greater whole, right? So it's like losing your separateness, losing your boundaries. Um, losing the like the things that your ego wants to keep control of that like make you different, that make you unique. So the way that I work with Pluto in the 12th and the way I was taught to work with Pluto in the 12th in evolutionary astrology is that your core evolutionary intent, why did your soul choose this placement? It was to, um, to force you to surrender to um, so like to surrender your, your, like your individual self, like your personal self, your little S self, your ego self to the larger whole. 
to like the larger power, the larger truth. Um, and, and so that like, that's take that in like the most esoteric spiritual way, right? Like, um, it's, it's the closing out of the Zodiac. You're like, you've moved through all the different houses at that point in terms of like your consciousness evolution. Um, and so, um, the way that at that, and I, that I have had one client, one client who has Pluto in the 12th and the way that that had showed up for her was like, she had lost any anchor in like what helped her understand her identity and herself. She was like, who am I? I have no sense of self anymore. Everything that gave me a sense of self has been stripped away. Like, and um, yeah, I'm getting chills remembering because it was like this really intense conversation. Um, But what it was pushing her to do was to like actually embody the spirituality she had been studying. So instead of continuing to see herself as the individual I, she, the, the push from the soul was to actually start to see herself through her spiritual eyes, through, um, uh, through her soul. Right. And to understand that she's actually connected to the larger whole. And so the way that the way that it was taught to me, the way that this placement was taught to me that has always stuck with me is that it's like, it's another version of like we were talking about in the eighth house, the battle between the soul, the self and the, the soul and the ego. Um, Cause the ego is like holding on, right. Holding on to its identity. But the metaphor that was used by my very esoteric teacher was that in this spiritualization process, in the spiritual awakening process, that the way that the individual can feel this is like your, this is his words, hanging on to a shrub on the side of a cliff by your fingernails. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Wow. And so it's like your deep self, your higher self, your soul is like, just trust the fall, just surrender to the fall. We will catch you. And then you will love where you end up. Right. So it's like trust falls get done in like, you know, stupid retreats at work, con- like in work contexts. Like what is the idea behind a trust fall? The whole idea is like, let yourself fall and it's a surrender. Right. And fall so- forward. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's what, that's what that this placement is about. And so you, um, your, 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 your ego is clinging to something, right. That's give, it's trying to give you some kind of sense of individualized identity, but your soul is like, just take the fall. Um, yeah, I'm getting chills. Um, and, and then like, you will, you will find yourself as part of the larger, um, my sister had every literally six planets in the 12th house. That's my mom. Twelfth house, and she died at twenty-one. Like, right? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a deep house. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Depression, addictive behaviors. I've heard of. Yeah, those can those can all be the challenges. Exactly right, right. but but it can also powering up in that area can lead to like really intense and powerful spirituality. So like the the past life um, associations with having Pluto in the twelfth, for example, can be like you were a nun or a monk in a past life. Right right? Like monastic experiences where you literally surrendered your individual ego-based life and all of your worldly attachments to God or the divine or, you know, whatever languaging you want to use. So um, there's, you know, there can be real beauty in it in it as well, if it, if it's, um, if it's worked with instead of fought against, but Cheryl, we made it all the way through all the 12. Made it. Woo! <laughs> Hi, Emily. All right. So <laughs> this has been fun. Do we have any more questions or comments from people um, in the chat that we should deal uh, with? Before we wrap up. Uh, there was one question from Amanda, Pluto was Scorpio retrograde. 
Oh, Pluto is retrograde in her chart. Okay. Love this. Love this. So we talked a little bit about retrogrades in an earlier episode, but it's one of my favorite things to bring back in um, because it's people think about retrograde usually in the context of Mercury, like, oh my God, Mercury is going to go retrograde. What does it mean for for a planet to be retrograde astronomically? That means that it's slowing down. So it looks like it is moving backwards. And so it it isn't actually, but in the Zodiac, in astrology, it it moves backwards by degree. So when a planet goes retrograde, it starts to move backwards instead of forwards through the Zodiac. The way that that corresponds to energy flow is that Um, the energy of that planet gets turned inward. And so instead of it being energy turned outward in your life in in the way of like showing up as external experiences, um, energy being turned inward in a planet when it's retrograde, like with Mercury, is an invitation to go inward and to apply the energy of that planet inwardly. And so Pluto being retrograde when you were born um, suggests that actually, um, was it Amanda who asked this question? Yes, Amanda. Amanda, you, you potentially have some real superpowers um, when it comes to um, working with plutonic energy for inner transformation. And so I, I would say that it's more likely that you're actually, you know, you're in a position to be more likely than like the average person on the street um, to be able to work with this kind of alchemical transformational energy that we're talking about that is plutonic energy in a way the that house. It allows my favorite it. house. The, you know, yeah, and the way that it allows you to like transform inwardly, right? And allows you to like make the unconscious conscious so that you can, you know, work work with the energy consciously as opposed to having it be stuff that like your soul is shaking you um, through all the events that are happening in your life. Um, so yeah, it doesn't mean that you won't ever experience things happening through external events associated with Pluto, but um, I'd, I'd say you've got a real superpower there when it comes to working with plutonic energy for inner transformation. Um, what else comes through for you, Cheryl, on that? No, no. No, you just nailed that. That was beautifully said. And she just wrote, interesting. Oh, that's right. You guys rock. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. You're always, you're always here chiming in. So we appreciate that so much. I love it. Well, we we are so grateful to everyone out there in the Cosmic Conversations community, um, especially folks who want to come and, and join us live. We we uh, do this once a month live. So come join us live in the Facebook group if you want to um, have us go into your particular placements or if you have questions that you want to ask or if you want to kind of vibe with us and see where the conversation goes. But I think this is probably enough for one episode. Yes. Um, so we should, we should close it out. And we'll just say, remember... Um, uh, Pluto is not just something to be feared. Pluto is not just something to be worried is going to happen to you. When you see a Pluto transit, Pluto transits can be portals, portals of transformation. They can be stargates that on the other side, you like go, oh my God, like huh, I, I I didn't even know that I had these superpowers within me until I went on this journey. That's certainly been my experience. And um, it's been a, Thank it's been you. a, a deeply spiritual one. It's been a, um, uh, it's been one that I, I don't think I could have guessed what was going to happen for me throughout this Pluto square process. If you had, if you had put a gun to my head in the beginning. Um, so this is our, this is our, um, our quest to get people to not just be afraid of Pluto. <laughs> yes. And let's do nodes of the moon next. Oh, yes. Lock it in, lock it in. 
I love it. So thank you for being with us, folks who are out there in cyberspace listening at another time. Um, Hope you enjoyed spending a little bit of your Groundhog Day week with us because no better way to think about Pluto than as the opportunity to move beyond Groundhog Day in your life, wherever you are stuck. Um, And as always, if you are interested in going deeper, you can book a reading with Cheryl, you can book a reading with me, and you can figure out how to do that in show notes. Um, And Emily, we missed you, but here's what happens when you go away. We spend an hour and a half talking about Pluto. You're not surprised yeah. in the slightest, yeah. are you? She's not surprised at all. She loves it. <laughs> all right. I think I'm going to stop the live stream and just say thanks, everyone, for being here. And that will do it for this edition of Cosmic Conversations. Bye. Bye.